Welcome to the Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James Strong, joined once again by my co-host Cody, Cody Tanner, that is. Uh, Cody, how are you doing today? James, I'm all right. A little tired, working some crazy hours at work right now, but we're doing all right. We're making it work. How are you, James? That's it, man. Sometimes strong, a little James extra, Strong. A little extra stress in your life might be a little blessing in your life. You never know. Could be. <laughs> We, because Lord knows we need it. <laughs> I couldn't come at a better time, right? Oh man, no, for sure. Um, we are going to talk Steelers news today. We're going to we're going to talk pro days. We're going to talk a lot of different things about signings, people leaving, people coming, people going, people of Pittsburgh past going with other teams, maybe even divisional teams. We'll get into all that discussion. Uh, also, talk new numbers for new players. We'll get into that a little, little bit. Uh, I shouldn't even mm-hmm. say a little bit. We'll talk about it. It's nothing too crazy. But we're also before we do anything, James, going to talk divisional news. Holy crap, man. Things are getting turned upside down here. Uh, we just found out well, today, right? Today. Today with the, the Lamar Jackson news. Apparently, Lamar didn't like some of the things that was out there being said about him. Uh, so he just cut to the chase, went on Twitter, and it was like a, a multi-tweet rant. Three tweets. Uh, three tweets. Three tweets. Three tweets. Uh, basically the, the summary of it is that he requested a trade on the second. So I got it here. If you want me to read ago. it, if you really want to read the whole thing, it's, I mean, it's fairly short. It just says a letter to my yeah. fans. I want to first thank you all for the love and support you consistently show towards me. All of you are amazing. And I appreciate y'all so much. I want you to know not to believe everything you read about me. Let me personally answer your questions in regards to my future plans. As of March 2nd, this being 25 days before this post, Eight hours ago, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone that has met or been around me know I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You all are great, but I had to make a business business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore Flock Nation and the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. Yeah, so I'm going to say that if he gets uh, traded, he's not going to be that close to Flock Nation anymore. Nope. <laughs> uh, also, didn't know that Flock Nation was a thing. No, no clue. Uh, really kind of sounds perverse, but hey, uh, no surprise <laughs> there. Uh, anyway, so big news, honestly, because we thought here that that he was just bound to be back. You know, we, we assumed at this point nobody was putting up two first-round picks because nobody wanted to give up that much capital to get him. Now we know that it's probably a little bit more that nobody wants to give up that kind of capital because it's not necessary Correct. because he wants out of town. Yep. Why in the world would you give up two first round picks for a guy that wants to leave? Waste he's not going to play there. draft picks. Yeah. Wasted draft picks. He's not going to. Yeah. He's not going to sign the, the, the franchise tag. Either he's they, not going to play under that. Either they take a lesser option or he he's not going to play under the franchise tag. Let's be real. Nope. He'll sit out for a year and then he'll be a free agent next year. And you can go offer him anything you want and just be better than the next team. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. And keep all your draft picks, keep all your future stock in uh, potential players coming out of the draft. So, yeah. I mean, why would fans overpay for somebody that wants to get out, wants to not be there? And, and who knows? And I, I watched the Pat McAfee show today a little bit when I was in and out of napping. And he said the same thing. You know, Lamar Jackson is his own rep, his own agent. He doesn't have an agent. And maybe that's why this didn't get leaked out until just now because. Yeah, there's no one to leak it. (laughs) There's no one to leak it. 
there's no one to be like, hey, like telling the reporters he's asking for trade. He's doing this. He's doing that. Don't get me wrong. The teams probably knew. I believe teams knew. I believe that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I and don't. It was in their best interest to keep it quiet because if it got out, then they lose all leverage. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, now that it's out, they've lost all leverage, uh, which is great if you're a Steelers fan. Uh, or anyone who wants to be able to defeat the, the Ravens. Uh, you know, Browns fans, obvious. Cincinnati fans. Yeah. yeah, yeah, take your pick. I mean, since he's trying to to be that dominant team in the AFC North and has kind of taken over as the number one team the last few years. Yep. But every year, the the analysts say, what about the Ravens? What about the Ravens? Former MVP on the team, you know, and... If they, lose, like they, if they lose Lamar Jackson, they're dead last in the league, in the division. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. They're rebuilding and yeah, they'll be lucky to win six games. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So this is exciting. Yeah. And they're Pittsburgh. basically losing them. They're basically losing them. It's all they can do is franchise tag him. And then if the season goes through, he doesn't play. They can franchise tag him again. They can just keep on playing that game. So they never gets to play for another team. Yep. Uh, if they want to go hardball with it that badly, uh, but then hard it just ends up in the same. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, then, it, then it just ends up in the same situation it was with Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers. Yep. You know, and he ends up going somewhere and signing for lesser money, and you know, who knows if he's even anywhere near as good if he misses too much time. Yeah, and, and he's already started the... kind of tailing off the last couple of years. Yeah, and here's so. the one thing I'm gonna say. Um, and this is just because I want to kind of put this out there so we have it on, on like, in recording. Um, because we saw it happen with Le'Veon. The grass isn't always green on the other side. We saw it happen mm-hmm. with San Antonio Holmes. We've seen it happen with so many different players that have played really well with the team that you got drafted to or whatever, or they broke out with, and then they go somewhere else and they fail. I don't think Lamar Jackson wins in any other team right now except for the Indianapolis Colts. And my reason for saying that is because the Indianapolis Colts new head coach is the offensive coordinator from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles who used Jalen Hurts and his mobility uh, to play very well. I don't think there's another head coach or offensive system that needs a quarterback right now that would truly take control of Lamar Jackson's potential and his playing type to better their team. I think he'll go in and have a mediocre career anywhere else. But if he goes to... The Colts, they're set up with that new head coach to succeed and succeed very well with his style of play. So Now, last year, um, the Falcons, did they have Marcus Mariota down there? They Were did, they the but I don't think he played that? very well. He, he played a little bit, but the only reason I bring this up at all is because they leaned a lot um, on his athleticism. He's well mm-hmm. known as one of the more athletic quarterbacks. So I feel like Atlanta could be an option for him as well. Uh, where the previous offense in place uh, already had some of that taking advantage of the mobility of the quarterback built into it. Yeah, I'm trying to see um, how yeah, many. Yeah, I agree with you. There's only going to be a, a small handful of teams uh, that are really leaning into that quarterback mobility as being a, an important asset for the team. Um, most teams just don't lean into that that much. If he has it, great. It's an added added bonus but not something that you primarily lean on yeah yeah so it'd be very interesting to see what happens with him we will keep you guys updated on that story as well just because it is the division um it has a a bigger say in the steelers year than say other teams outside of our division or especially outside of our conference um so we will keep you up to date on that another kind of somewhat not really mobile quarterback 
Um, but you know what? It doesn't take rocket scientists to figure this out. Josh Dobbs. I don't know why I said mobile. Um, but Josh Dobbs signed a one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns, keeping that in the division. Um, excited to kind of see that because, quite frankly, he should be number two, right? He should pop yeah, in immediately number two. I don't know what their death chart looks like there. I think they lost, uh, what's his name, that started the first half of the year last year. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he left. Um, so I think that would probably put Dobbs as the number two. I think you're right there. Uh, and now they've got that new wide receiver, right? Didn't they just trade for Elijah Moore? They did. They uh, get- that was the other real big news in the division. Uh, Brown's giving up their, their second round pick in this upcoming draft class uh, to acquire wide receiver Elijah Moore and a third round pick in return. That gives them two third round picks now, but no first and no second. Uh, so really kind of pushing all their chips in that Elijah Moore can be a huge difference maker. Cody, you got his numbers pulled up, don't you? I do. I feel um, like he's been a little less than spectacular thus far in his, I his mean, pro career. I mean, two years in the league so far, he he's only played, I mean, he's played in all 16 games last year. He actually downgraded in all of his stat line from year one to year two. Um, he went yeah. from 77 targets year one to 65, 43 receptions to 37. 538 yards to 446, five touchdowns in his rookie year to only one last year. Um, He's just downgraded consistently. His catch percentage, however, did go up, which was better, not by a lot, but a little bit. Um, But everything else was was just kind of stayed the same or or downgraded. He had one rushing touchdown his rookie year, none last year. Um, I think it's been an aspect. I don't know if there's a, a personnel issue with him on the Jets roster, if he's not molding and bending like blending well with other players uh but they definitely weren't using him to his full potential in my opinion uh elijah moore was was very talked about his rookie year not because of the i mean five touchdowns as a rookie that's great um but he's a he's a speedy guy he's he's a slot receiver for the most part low four threes i think he was like a four three three or something yeah very fast but a little guy right like 173 pounds yeah he's 178 he's 510 uh so not not gonna go up and win any super or many jump balls but it's a guy that putting in place in a system that'll take advantage of him in the slot he should have success easily um his numbers wise he should have success and so i don't know why the downgrade happened last year the quarterback situation they have going on there aaron Rodgers potentially coming in potentially not zach wilson being a zach wilson show joe flacco playing a little bit um <laughs> it's it yeah, is what it is a, they had a first round pick wide receiver that really tore it up last year right didn't he get like offensive yeah i don't remember who it was rookie of the year or he something did. they got offensive rookie and, yeah. and defensive rookie of the year last year yeah and it was the wide receiver so i think that's kind of why he fell out of favor uh, but you would think, man, most teams run three wide receiver sets. How in the world is this guy not one of your top three? But the Jets didn't look at him as one of their top three wide receivers. Nope, not uh, even close. They were, yeah, ready to move on from him. Just, and they're, it's kind of funny. I feel like they were probably in the same boat that the Steelers were with Chase Claypool, is that other people were like, oh, man, Chase Claypool, that's great. And the Steelers were like, yeah, he's great. You want to give us your <laughs> second-round pick for him? <laughs> in, the, in the meanwhile, they know the, the weaknesses of the player, and they're all ready to move on after two seasons. You know, Pittsburgh moved on from Claypool after, into the third season there yep uh par- partially into the third season so kind of a, a similar time frame there um you gotta feel like the jets seem to know something that they're not letting anybody else know but 
for whatever reason, they moved on already as far as last year's draft class. Uh, and then now in this offseason, moving on from them. And the Browns have two marquee wide receivers now, but uh, we'll see we'll if they see can do anything well with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see how well it gels. We'll see if Deshaun gets his throwing throwing confidence back and his ability to read defenses back and his accuracy back because he didn't have it at the end of last year. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Get your ears ready and your notepads and pens ready as well. <laughs> the first game Deshaun Watson goes up against our Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Patrick Peterson, two picks. Call it <laughs> I like it. Calling it I now. Like it. Watch it be Minka. I, like I don't it. care. I'll still take it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah. But Steelers also wound up. Listen, let's talk about the cornerback room. Steelers did sign yeah. uh, James Pierre to a one year deal point worth $1.3 million. Uh, much, yeah, just much, above that league minimum. much cheaper than what it would have been on a, any kind of tag <laughs> or tender. So, yeah, no. well, that's, we'll take that. We will take that. What was it? 2.4, yeah. 2.5, whatever. 2.8 was the one. Yeah, the, you, you uh, saved the whole tender. Yeah. You literally saved half that's of it. a lot. Over half of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And and I think that's what we're going to see with a lot of these guys. You know, the the restricted tender type guys, um, when they do sign with teams, they're probably going to be getting right around there. Yeah, hair. League minimum would have been like 1.08 or something. He gets 1.3. So he at least can say, hey, I'm not a league minimum player. Uh, But yeah, that's that's what you pay your number four or number five corner. Yep. You don't pay him three million bucks to maybe not even play other than being a gunner. True. I I feel like if if uh, Miles Boykin comes back, it'll be a similar thing. You know, you're not going to pay him three million dollars a year to be your number four, number five wide receiver, not play on offense at all and just be a gunner. Yeah. Like, but you'll, you'll happily give him that 1.3 mil. Yeah. Yeah. You won't give him no Patrick Peterson. Hey, that's for sure. No, no, he ain't getting seven. Nope. Listen, you want to know who else is not getting seven? Any uh, Patrick Peterson, Patrick (laughs) Peterson is not getting Jersey number seven, even though he kind of wanted it. Um, But Patrick Peterson is going with number 20. We're going to talk those new numbers real quick. Uh, Patrick yeah. Peterson immediately taking Cam Sutton's number. Didn't even let him get out the door. Uh, no. <laughs> and he said, the ink I'll, I'll was not dry 20. on his new contract. <laughs> no, no. He said, I'll take 20, uh, which I think that was the only, that was the only video that I saw the player actually choose his number. I don't think I saw the other ones. Um, yeah. But I did see Patrick Peterson. James Landon Roberts got a fun number here. Yeah. I'm number iffy with 50. this one. This is the one I'm iffy with, honestly. Yeah, as a, as a position. So I look at it as the position you play and then the number chosen. I like number 50 for a middle linebacker. I, I'm with you on, man, is this the guy that gets Shazier's number? That's where I'm at. Uh, I'm with you on that. Yep. But let's, let's let his play speak to it. Uh, and at least 50 is an excellent choice for a middle linebacker. There's a good tradition going on in Pittsburgh there. Uh, whether it be from Ryan Jazier, from Larry Foote, uh, from David Little. Uh, I always from... got freaking Larry Foote and James Ferrier's numbers confused. Yeah. Larry yeah, sure. Foote was 50 51. and Foote was, or yeah. 51. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always yep. got those confused. Uh, now, here's the one thing I will say that I hope happened that I don't think did happen. First off, Ryan Shazier is going to have no issue with him taking 50. Ryan Shazier is not, not a, that type not of guy, chance. whatever. Yeah. I no. hope Vince Williams called this dude up <laughs> and said, listen, <laughs> you're representing yeah. my boy. You're the first guy since his horrific mm-hmm. injury that ended his playing career 
uh, do it justice. Listen, that yeah. little push could raise this guy up a tier or two. Um, you never know. And so I, I hope it happened. If not, I'll call him pretend to be Vince Williams. I'll be like, yo, there bro, you go. what you doing? It ain't going to do nothing. But <laughs> no, I'm going to flourish I pity the blue who messes up number 50. <laughs> you were in Miami. I played at Florida State, man. You better do me proud. Exactly. Exactly. So Something like that. Yeah. I like the 50. I actually like the next number even more. Eric Holcomb. Yeah. Or Cole Holcomb. Why did I say Eric? I had, a, I, had a, I had a buddy in high school or in college named Eric Holcomb. That's why I said that. Uh, Cole, yeah, it. I did. I did. Cole Holcomb, number 55. Love that. Devin Bush didn't even get out the door either before his number was gone. Nope. And I'm okay with that because since his rookie year, uh, it's been it's been I. It's been less than impressive for, for Coach Mr. Olsowski Devin. Coach was also a number uh, 55. Jerry he was. He was. He's also gone now. Uh, so uh, I still like the number, though. You know, it was 55. Uh, so we do have some tradition of some yep. good 55s throughout the history. Uh, it'd be nice to see that number come back into prominence. Uh, I think 55 is an excellent choice for a linebacker, middle or outside. I think you can you can do damage with it either way. Uh, so I like it. I think that's a nice choice for Mr. Holcomb there. Uh, really, uh, I like the number choices of these two middle linebackers. Uh, 20 for Patrick Peterson and whatever. You know, yeah. it's... It is what it is. I almost think 20 of more of an offensive number than a defensive number. You think of like a running back? Yeah, lots of running backs have yeah. had that over the was years. Amos Zero was 21, wasn't he? 21, 21, yeah. Dwight Stone was 20, though, which was a weird one because he was more of a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I do definitely like these these linebacker numbers. Uh, now, we start getting into the big boys here. And you just never know. They're a little bit of a wild card, these big boys. They are very uh, much so are. Nate, Nate Herbig decided that number 71 was the best choice for him. And I believe that's what he was with the Jets, too. I think so. I think the tape that I that I saw, he was number 71 there. So it's probably just his, his preference, honestly. Um, I'm very indifferent. 71 is a lot of times defense. Yeah, uh, and it has been offense over the years too. But I, I do feel like seventy one is used a lot by defensive linemen in the Steelers' past. Uh, so, kind of up in the air on the seventy one. Well, how do you, how do you feel about seventy one for for Mister Nasty Nate? I'm all right with it. It's it's not it's you know what I'm I'm ready to see it do well on the field. I think that I'm ready yeah. to see seventy one do things on the field and yeah. look good and mm-hmm. and play well. But I'm not like super sold on it or anything like that. Um, I hear you. But we will. This see is what another happens. one. He he better do it justice, and I'll tell you why. I have a '71 jersey. Ooh, Orpheus Ooh. Roy. That's a good one. That's right. That's a good one from back in the day. Big old Orpheus, the the wedge buster that made being a wedge buster uh, illegal, outlawed by the NFL. <laughs> man, Steelers are changing laws, man. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, it was like a year or two after he left that they got rid of it because uh, he was 6'5", 290 and fast. Uh, so he was going down there and just blowing up these poor offensive linemen. But it wasn't until uh, a couple years after that that Kendrell Bell was the wedge buster. And uh, Kendrell concussed himself on his very first. That doesn't surprise me. Bell Bell reminded me. I'm going to do a name drop here, and I apologize if I offend him. Um, I don't. I don't think he listens to the podcast by any means. But if I if I'm still friends with him on Facebook, I'll let him know. 
Uh, Bell reminded me a lot of a kid I went to high school with. His name was Kenneth yeah. Mayhew. Uh, and All Kenneth right. Mayhew played football one or only one or two years. But I'll tell you what they did. Kenneth Mayhew was a little bit of a wild child. He was a little, little socially awkward, whatever. Very nice kid, though. Um, holy crap. This guy would literally run down the field on kickoff coverage screaming bloody murder to try and scare <laughs> the other guys. And he would just run into somebody full force. Like, he, he didn't care if they had the ball or not. I don't even know if half the time he was aiming for the person with the ball. I think the coaches just said, hey, this is your guy. Like, yeah. you know how you count out and he would, they would say, this is mm-hmm. your guy, blow him up. <laughs> That's what he would do every time. Um, I don't know if he ever made a tackle on kick coverage or not, but it was hilarious to watch. And that's what I, the, the whole sacrifice of the body is, is how I viewed Bell's play. Um, yeah. Looking back at highlights and stuff like that. So I, I just, that just made me think of my high school, high school buddy. So um, next guy, another guard, James. Isaac Siamalu. Siamalu. The projected starting left guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers this upcoming season. Um, I'm stoked about seeing this guy on the field. I think the jersey choice is excellent. 73, definitely a successful guard number for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ramon Foster had that number for a long time and did it justice. Previous to him, Kendall Simmons had that number, and Kendall Simmons was a very good guard for the Steelers also. Uh, So I look forward to seeing that tradition continued forward with big Isaac Siamalu. Uh, 73, great choice, in my opinion. In your professional opinion? In my professional jersey number opinion. Yeah, Yeah, I like it. I like um, 73. I'm not, it's what, offensive line numbers are very hard for me not to get behind and not to, like, it it has, it would have to be like someone taking 78 and I'm automatically thinking of Max Starks. Like, it'd have to be somebody me that me growing up watched and like if someone took 68 and i'm always i'm like freaking de castro like try or yeah yeah 68 66 66 who who was 68 there was another big name 66 yeah uh kimoatu yes yes chris kimoatu so like there's a certain number of players that i watched growing up that i would think of them and be like "Mm, you better play well in this position um but james i'm curious to see and we're gonna go a little out of order here uh LaRaven Clark is an offensive tackle Pittsburgh signed to a one-year, $1.3 million deal. Mm-hmm. 61. Yeah. Number 61, 61 for him. Whew. I just don't care well, for that number, um, honestly. That's a uh, tough choice. I don't that's, like that one. That's why he's been a career backup. No, that's why he's been a career backup. It's his number choice. Can't even choose, yeah, he can't even <laughs> choose the correct jersey number. How do you expect to ever be a starting offensive tackle in the NFL? Can't do it. Uh, he has not been. He's like 29 years old. It's a good 28. addition. 28. I'm sorry. Uh, he's he's 28 years old. He was a former third-round pick uh, and been on a couple NFL teams, but uh, only been a spot starter when people go down injured. He was one of those guys that when he came out, everybody was like, oh, my God, look at the frame on this kid, the, the height, weight, length. This is exactly what you hope for, and then he just couldn't put it all together. Yep. Uh, and at this stage of his career, you don't expect it to magically just turn on. But hey, if you can be a quality backup left tackle and right tackle, then that's what we need right now. Because honestly, it was terrifying thinking about Trent Scott possibly going on the field last year if one of our ta- tackles went down. Yeah. Uh, and it's slightly less terrifying with Raven Clark as the back. Yeah. It's one thing if a player's 26 coming off his rookie deal, he's only been with one coaching staff this and that 
Um, but I'm pretty sure the Ravens played on two or three teams at this point. And at that point, yeah, it's not a coaching so. issue. At that point, it's not. No. The chance, although at least the chances are slimmer for sure. Um, so it's just a capability thing. It's just what he's able to do. And so a solid, a, a decent backup coming in. We're going to be able to get rid of a weaker link on the offensive line um, as far as depth is concerned. So that's a plus. Uh, James, before we go too far in this, because I don't know where it is on this list, I do want to bring it up before I forget. Uh, Pittsburgh yeah. did Pittsburgh did bring in uh, a free agent outside linebacker this week by the name of Bud Dupree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bud was brought in. They talked to him at least. I'm sure this is the feeling out process of mm-hmm. what is he willing to sign for, how low, uh, knowing Pittsburgh and what they do this time of year. I'm sure they said, hey, you know, we'd love to have you in on a veteran contract. And Bud oh, yeah. probably looked at him and said, I just made $15 million last year. I'm not taking a million bucks. <laughs> so my guess is this is Pittsburgh feeling it out uh, just to say, hey, you know, we'd love to have you back, uh, but we would not be paying you a marquee dollar amount in I can't imagine that Bud's going to be too interested in that unless a couple more weeks go by and he and, still doesn't have a team. Yep. And then maybe he comes back. I think I could see Pittsburgh going as high as like maybe even three, three and a half. Three and million, a half. That's where I was at. Uh, for, yeah, like a one-year deal, three, three and a half mil. I'm cool with it because I feel like Bud Dupree would be an excellent quality backup outside linebacker. And then if TJ goes down or Alex goes down, you're not sweating it saying, oh, my God, what are we going to do with Malik Reed out there? Yep. It's not that kind of situation at all. Uh, so I would be very happy to have Bud Dupree back as a backup outside linebacker. And you would think that he would understand, too, uh, if he does come back, it's not to compete with Alex Highsmith. No. It's not to compete with TJ Watt. It's to be that guy that backs them both up. And but keeps understand both, in this system, fresh. he's going to be getting snaps. He's still going to get a, yeah. a volume of snaps. And quite yeah, frankly, a good 30 to 40% every game. Bring him bring him in on a two-year deal worth $4 million a year. Make it highly uh, incentive you know, worthy so he has to get stats for it. I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay yeah. with that. Um, yeah. or, or make, or backload it on the second year and see what he does this year. And you can always opt out of it. Um, th- there's options to bring a guy like that in who again, had a slow career start in Pittsburgh, played very well after like in his last year and a half, two years. Um, and then went and unfortunately had some injury issues in with the Tennessee Titans. So was, was cool to see him come back and I would love to see him come back. And I don't think anyone else is wearing 48 right now. So no, cause it's a bad number. Facts, but it looked good on Bud Dupree. I'm not gonna lie. Like Bud Dupree made that number relevant. Ever, he was the only one to ever do it justice because everybody else that ever wore a fifth string tight end and didn't make the team. Yeah, I think maybe Matt Cushing had it way back in the day. Oh, good old that's, Cushing. That's saying something. Yeah. Was that any relation to Brian Cushing, that that old mm. Texans linebacker? No, no, no. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Anyways. Actually, I have no. I have no, you have no idea, idea what I'm talking about. At all. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know what you're talking about Brian Cushing. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I have no clue if there's any relation. No, nah. absolutely not. Whatever. Uh, let's talk some pro days, James. Yeah, uh, and real quick before we go to the pro days, uh, just let's cover a couple other guys. Okay, I like uh, it. As far as some other transactions, and then go into the pro day stuff. Um, with the the importance, we talked about the signing of the Raven Clark. 
Uh, that was important because offensive tackle Trent Scott went and signed a contract with the Washington Commanders. Uh, so he was the top backup swing tackle for the Steelers. He's been replaced, in my opinion, probably upgraded because he really was not very good. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And, and again, you know, last season, we weren't really sure what would have happened if he, if one of the starters went down and he went down also, who was going to fill in. Uh, I don't know, is John LeGlue on the roster still? If he is, this is really good for him because uh, he does have tackle capability. He played a little guard the last couple of years as well, and I think he even snapped the ball once or twice. Uh, so I would be okay with LeGlue being the number four offensive tackle, but I also am not convinced that Pittsburgh isn't going to go uh, sign a or, or draft a, a rookie offensive tackle in the first couple of rounds. I do not so. see Mr. LeGlue on the current roster, so there is that. That's no surprise. Yeah, he, they, they probably moved on from him, uh, which is fine, but you got to say, hey, who the heck is OT number four right now? Uh, so that's, that's a scary proposition, uh, but at least I think OT three is an upgrade now. Uh, probably a sad day for you on the other signing, Mr. Steven Sims there, Cody. No, I wouldn't say a sad day. Um, it's It it just raises a question. It, it raises the question of who you're going to have be your return guy again. Steven Sims was the first guy since Antonio Brown, in my opinion, uh, to have any spark in the return game. Um, and And that's not saying, I mean, that's not saying a whole lot in the sense that he was nothing like, I mean, he didn't have any touchdowns or anything like that. He had maybe three or four, uh, decent returns that helped the field position out. But Steven Sims did sign with the Houston Texans. Um, it, it, it Again, I, I wouldn't classify it as sad. It's just an, another concern now, another position we need to fill. Um, that yeah. It would have been nice to not have to worry about that. Now, don't get me wrong. It would have been nice to keep him on the roster and then be like, hey, if we have someone else that can come in and play this better. Because Cam Sutton was the backup, right? Like Cam Sutton was one of the two, one, top yeah. two backups for that. And we lost him mm-hmm. as well. So at this point, you're not throwing George Pickens back there. You're not throwing Deontay Johnson yeah. back there. You're not going to put, um, you know, you're, you're not going to put, I, I can't. See I, Calvin Austin the third on return duty though. Potentially. Um, you're not gonna, mm-hmm. I was going to say, you're not going to put Jalen Warren back there as much as I would love to see that. Um, yeah, was the up back though. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, return, put him up back. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. So it, it just raises another question, but maybe this, maybe this is them being like, well, we have Calvin Austin. He'll be healthy. We, we'll be able to get him back there and give him a try. So we'll see what happens. I'm with you, though. This is this is getting real thin in the wide receiver room. You know, after the first three, there's a big question mark after that. I mean, are they really leaning into Anthony Miller like that? I mean, Anthony Miller did sign a futures contract, so he'll be on the 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 90 man roster going into camp and everything. But yep. is is that the number four right now? I'm betting that that is. I mean, if it's not him, what is it, Cody White? I mean, that would be the Cody, next guy. Yeah, Cody White might not have really done much of anything as a Steeler thus far either. So, nope. yeah, I think the resume is probably a little stronger on Anthony Miller with more playing time in the other. I mean, it's, he, yeah, it's it's a little scary. And, and really the only guys with serious playing time are the first two because Calvin Austin the third missed his entire rookie season. Gunner's off the team, correct? Who is? Gunner. Gunner Olszewski? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's okay. a free agent, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, he's still on the roster on their website right now. So you have Calvin Austin. You know what? Maybe that was a two-year deal. It might have been. So you have, obviously, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Austin the third, um, and then you get into the guys like James. We almost forgot about this guy, Des Fitzpatrick's still on the team. 
um, Anthony Miller, Cody White, Gunnar Olszewski. Uh, there's even a guy named Dan Chizena oh, from Penn State. Yeah, that's the yeah that was the future futures contract guy, the super fast dude who's more of a a gunner and return man. Yep. So he and might you, be a return. And you also have Jamarcus Bradley on the team as well, who's six foot one ninety eight. Yeah. Um, the old, the oldest guy on the team is twenty eight with Anthony Miller. Everyone else is twenty six or younger. So. It's it's yeah. a young squad, and I, it's just a matter of these guys haven't proven anything yet. So we're just kind of playing that waiting game to see who's going to step up and be the number three or four wide receiver, depending on what they decide to do with Deontay Johnson. So, Yeah. So last piece of free agency news before we switch over to pro days. And James, this one is going to make you happy. <laughs> okay. This one's going to make you happy. Zach Gentry returning to the Pittsburgh Steelers on a one-year qualifying contract. We, I don't think we have the, the terms on that yet, but I'm guessing that this is going to be one of those $1.3 to $1.5 million one-year deals. Um, I don't know if they've released that to the public or not yet. Looks like Cody's looking it up for mm-hmm. us right now. I, I'm happy in one aspect here that it does at least solidify the room a little bit better to uh, the NFL draft. Although I think that it doesn't really change how you look at it in the draft. In fact, it maybe turns it into a little bit more of a priority because signing him to a one-year deal to me says this is probably his last year with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a possibility for an extension after that? Of course, there's always a possibility for an extension after that. Uh, But to me, I feel like this almost screams that Pittsburgh's going to be in on the tight end market. And it's a really, really strong tight end class this year. There's a lot of guys. There's a good 12 or so that could easily start in the NFL. Uh, and, and none of them are slow. No this contract year, all details. Of them are, yeah, yeah, nothing yet on that. Nope. Uh, they're all in that like 4.55 to 4.70 40-yard dash time too. Or even like we go back to last year and the fastest dude was a 4.740. Yep. And everybody was slower than that. This year, we got fast dudes. They're big dudes. They have good length to them. Uh, And I feel like you got to get yourself one of these guys. If you're thinking about doing much too tight end offense, I think Pittsburgh has demonstrated a lot over the years. They really enjoy doing too tight end offense. That does take a little bit of need off of the wide receiver room if you go with tight end in the draft. It does. It does. Uh, And so we'll see. You know, does Pittsburgh – Resign Derek Watt if they do, then maybe that takes it completely off of the table. Uh, tough to say. Uh, to me, I think you have to look really strongly at these pro days. Where did Pittsburgh go on the pro days? Who did they send to the pro days? We know that the Michigan pro day, the tight ends coach was there. We also know that at the Penn State pro day, tight ends coach was there. So Shoemaker uh, and Brenton Strange both should be on our radar. And they have uh, been probably. when we've been doing these uh, these mock drafts. So. Absolutely, absolutely. We've been considering or drafting them. Uh, so definitely guys that should be on the Steelers' radar and are, or they would not have been sending these tight end coaches there. So uh, very interesting to see. Uh, but pro days, Cody, the Steelers at three different ones with the whole Tomlin, Con and a whole bunch of dudes. Is it three different ones or is it like one and a half? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. I mean, it's kind of one and a half. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying because they went to <laughs> Iowa on yep. purpose, right? Yeah. That was, you know, Jack Campbell and Van Ness, and there's a couple DBs. 
Uh, and that was a very, very intentional one. And then Iowa State, I think they did it just because they were already there. Why not? Yeah, why don't you do it? Now, there's a couple guys draftable there. Uh, I did hear some names. I want to say one of them was a DB. Uh, so, and, and I think an off-ball linebacker there as well. And that's definitely something that Pittsburgh's been keeping a close eye on. Very, very subtly, they've been going to all the big-name off-ball linebackers pro days. Uh, they're just checking it off one after another. They went to the Alabama one too, which I don't have here on the list. Uh, but Ohio State uh, being the third one that that the big group went to out of all this. Uh, so really showing strong interest in some of these players. Um, and it was known that Mike Tomlin and company took out the top offensive lineman from Ohio State to dinner. That's a strong indicator of their interest. Yep. Uh, so whether it be Paris Johnson, the uh, the offensive tackle that's thought to be one of the, the top ones, the top three, basically. And now top two, because a lot of people are pulling, uh, what's his name, Skaronsky off the offensive tackle list. He's more of a guard than yep. he is a tackle. Uh, and then Dewan Jones, the right tackle, the six foot eight, three hundred and seventy five pound dude from Ohio State. There. And then they got a center in Luke Whipler. There's three dudes that are definitely getting drafted, and probably a couple of them pretty highly. Yep. Strong interest, and I think this is not to be understated that Pittsburgh seems to be uh, really showing up for these offensive tackles and these off-ball linebackers. Uh, both should be in strong consideration in those first three rounds, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this other guy, James, that had a pro day and put up some wild numbers. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about <laughs> I this. figured you, you wanted to. Might. Do you want to touch? Do you want to touch on the other thing before we get so we can end with that? No, let's end with the news of the four players and, okay. and that that news first. Okay. Uh, and I'll go off on a little tangent here <laughs> because, uh, as you guys know, I obsess about this off-season process. Uh, the East-West Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl are our first indications of how the draft community looks at the, these players and where do they evaluate them. See them as higher round guys. They see them as the mid to late round guys. One of the guys that I thought really jumped off the tape at the East West Shrine Bowl was a middle linebacker from Michigan State by the name of Ben Van Sumeren. Uh, well, the Michigan State Pro Day came and Ben did himself a real, real solid. Uh, he came in looking in great shape from all aspects of everything anyone uh, has said from it. Six foot one, 237 pounds is a real nice way in for him. Uh, he was clocked anywhere between 436 and 440 on his 40 yard dash. Absolutely lightning fast. Uh, that would have been the fastest time of the combine had he been invited to the combine, which for some ungodly reason. Um, speaking of ungodly, his vertical jump 42 and a half inches. That's stupid. You get like three or four guys each year out of the entire class of like 300 dudes invited to the combine that jump that high in and, a 237 pound linebacker. And he wasn't invited to the combine and did it. He was not invited to the combine. This would have been one of the best verticals of any position and the best at off ball linebacker had he been invited. Uh, so you think, okay, dude's fast. Dude can jump high. What about long? 10 foot 11 on his broad jump, which is just astronomical. Again, would have been the top broad jump for the linebacker group. Uh, so you're saying, okay, he's fast. He's explosive, probably wiry, right? That's all it is. He's just all leg muscles. 
Guy's going to be a bean pole, right? No, 29 reps on the bench. Uh, so just absolutely incredible show by Ben, ben Van Sumeren from Michigan State. Uh, if you didn't have him on your radar previously, a better now. When you're looking for a highly athletic off-ball linebacker uh, with good size, there he is, man. And I don't think he's going to be drafted in the first you know, three rounds. He's probably a fourth round or later kind of guy. Uh, but I think this kind of performance probably pushed himself up the lists a little bit because I'm imagining that a lot of people did not realize how highly athletic he actually was. You saw him just sideline to sideline all over the place in the East West Shrine. Game. This could bump him to day two, in my opinion. He could late, late could. day two. He could end up in the third round because of this. Yep. Uh, and I hope, I hope he's on the Steelers' radar. He's been on mine since I saw him the first time at the East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, just absolutely incredible. Stay in the weight room, kids. It pays off. If Pittsburgh doesn't draft him in the fourth and he's still there, then he's not on even on their list. There's no way. Yeah. Unless they get a trade, trade back, back somewhere and acquire a fifth or sixth or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to end with some former player news. The Steelers officially announced uh, that they have uh, put two new player or two, two new people on their scouting staff. Uh, one being the great Ike Taylor and the even greater Merrill Hodge. Fantastic news for Pittsburgh scouting. And don't get me wrong. Um, not any NFL player, previous player can go in and, and can scout, but these guys have done enough on their own, like doing podcasts and guests showing yeah. on certain things. They've proven their value in this area of the NFL, of the process of the combine and scouting and college players and this and that, that Pittsburgh was like, you know what? We're just going to put them on staff. And I love yeah. that. I absolutely love it. Merrill Hodge has been breaking down tape on TV for years now. Yep. Uh, he's the one that I absolutely from him when he's breaking down a run play. He always says, you got a seal here, a seal here, and an alley right between them. It's just one of those Merrill Hodge specials. And he was the guy always talking about the factor back because he didn't want to call somebody a halfback or a fullback. They're the factor back probably because he was a fullback but he was the feature <laughs> back in pittsburgh's offense True. at the time True. Uh, he was always more talented than the halfbacks that were there opposite him whether it have been tim worley or walter abercrombie or any of those guys merrill hodge was the man back then uh and ike taylor what can you say about the man from swaggin university uh, was a lockdown corner for the Pittsburgh Steelers while he was there, shut down the likes of Chad Johnson and Wes Welker on a regular basis. Uh, I'm ecstatic to see these two in the coaching staff. Uh, Ike himself had a podcast for a few years. I don't know if he's still recording that or not. Uh, I'm guessing that maybe he's taking a step away from that now with his uh, new venture in the scouting. More world. than likely. More than likely. Yeah. Uh, or he's just probably not going to do it as often. Uh, but Regardless, I think this is two awesome acquisitions for the Steelers. Uh, guys that played at a high level uh, and have an eye for talent and they have an eye for breaking down film. Uh, and the more guys like that, the Mary. The only thing I'll say about Ike Taylor was I wish his hands would have been a little better in the NFL. He probably would have doubled oh, his interceptions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, <dude> doubled? <laughs> he would have had 40 picks, man. He dropped five or six a year every He had year. 14 in his career, and his yeah. pass defended, his pass breakups, yeah. 
Guess how many? Guess how many? <laughs> Probably like 120. 134. <laughs> oh yeah, I wasn't too far off. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and a lot of those were drops too. A oh, lot, a lot of, them of them. So unfortunate, man. Yeah. So unfortunate. And and the reason he doesn't go down as one of the best corners in the history of the game is literally because he did not catch the ball at the end of the play. Yep. Uh, but was an incredible corner for Pittsburgh. Uh, and probably one of the best corners that they've had in the history of the team. Pro- uh, I would argue top Rod five. And Mel Blunt, but- I would argue easily top five. Yeah, yeah, you probably have to put them up there, right? Yeah. It's it's Mel and Rod one and two, depending on what you do. It just depends on who you talk to there. Yeah. Uh, after that, maybe like Joe Hayden. and Then you start getting into Ike Taylor pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious to go through that list sometime, James. Maybe that's something we can do off off the show and just post it just sometime. Um, but yeah, fun show for the off season. Yeah, exactly. So again, we can't thank you guys enough for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube right now, be sure to like and subscribe and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell; it's free. And until next time, this is your host James and Cody signing off. Peace.